Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who has been a boxing cornerman for about 40 years as a cut man and trainer. He's worked the corner of the light with the likes of Angelo Dundee, Eddie Futch, Al Gavin, and Carlos Ortiz, just to name a few of the oh, greats. Roberto Duran is another one. Well, among some of the fighters yeah. he's worked with are Roberto Duran, Hector Camacho, Wilfredo yeah. Benitez, and most recently, Manny Pacquiao. It is a pleasure to welcome a 2018 inductee to the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame, Lenny DeJesus did Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure to have you because AJ and I are actually huge boxing fans, so we love talking to Sweet Science. You've done it all in your career. In fact, there are five things you can do in a corner. You've done them all. You've been the bucket guy, the stool guy, the advisor, the cut man, and the head guy, too. But you're mostly known as a cut guy. So take us back to how you actually got into boxing and how you gravitate to being a cut man. Well, I started in the Bronx. That's where I uh, grew up all my life. And uh, I met this gentleman, and he saw a little something in me, and he invited me one time to a boys' club. And he says, I would, I would like to see what you have in boxing. So he put me on, and I started fighting from there on. And I fought in the uh, Spanish gloves, golden gloves. I was the uh, borough champion at that time from Bronx, St. Mary's Park. And from there, it propelled. Then I met this young guy from the Bronx. They used to call him the Bronx Bomber, Alex Ramos, when he was a kid. I started with him, started training him, and uh, he became a very uh, good, successful uh, amateur fighter. We missed out on the Olympics when uh, we were supposed to compete in uh, Russia. Then we made our own Olympics here with the uh, Bob Arum and uh, Lou Duver. And we did our own thing, and then Alex Ronald propelled, and I kept going with him. I trained him for uh, a good part of the uh, amateur, then he became a professional, and I still work with him, with Lou Duver and all those guys there. And uh, from there on, I propelled. I uh, got to be known as a uh, good cornerman, and uh, I trained a lot of fighters from there on. And when I finished uh, training fighters, I became more of experience uh, to learn the uh, trade of uh, working as a cut man. That's where I started. Take our listeners through exactly what a cut man does and what some of the biggest challenges a cut man faces with his fighters. Well, you know, when you have, on my time, we used to have 15 rounds, so, you know, it has a lot to say. Uh, You have to be uh, composed and uh, you have to know what you're doing when you have a an important fight, uh, whether it be a, a six round, eight round, ten rounds, twelve rounds, fifteen rounds, you got to know and how to uh, stop a cut. And I learned that through the old pros. Like uh, I worked with the tops at that time, Angel Lundy, uh Gino Govin, Al Gavin from New York, and uh, I picked up a little something from each and every one uh, to be a good cut man. See, I was a, I started as a uh, trainer, amateur, then professional, but I always liked to go up more, and I uh, took cu- uh, Cutman, because Cutman, they always need a Cutman, no matter what, in every fight. So I started getting calls from all over the place. I uh, traveled uh, to Russia, Italy, France, 
uh, a lot of times I used to go to Vegas, and I'm still doing it. I just came from Russia about three weeks ago because we had a heavyweight tournament in the Ali tournament out there, and I work with uh, Joey DeWeco from New Jersey. And people call me, you know, all different types of uh, managers and stuff like that. They call me, and they uh, ask for my services. So what, what is I, the, the best quality that a cutman can have? Is, is, is it quick with the needle if you have to stitch somebody up or to stop it? What's the, the, the one thing that you really need to have? Well, have the right equipment, uh, the right timing for it. You know, you, timing, when I say timing, is you have almost uh, not a complete minute, and you have to be uh, composed and calm, cool, and collected, I would say. And uh, you try to stop the, you know, the cut, the flow, and have the right equipment, which I cannot divulge in the, uh, now at the moment, but they only use like uh, one 1,000, internally one 1,000. And all the little things that I picked up through uh, my life being a cornerman. Well, it's interesting. Like, during the fight, and you say you only have that minute and sometimes even less, but during the fight, you know, as a cut man, when you're watching the round transpire, are you, what are you looking for? Are you looking for areas where the boxer might start you know, showing some swelling? And, and are you preparing to you know, take care of that the second he gets back there? What are you actually doing during the, the round when it's going on? Well, when it's going on, you have to have the, the right equipment, like an inch swell, uh, do uh, the proper pressure. You know, sometimes when they're cut and you push a, uh, an inch swell, you have to know how to... Uh, apply the pressure, not too much, just enough to keep it under control, and then you use your uh, equipment, which is uh, Adrenaline 1-1000, and from there on, you know, you take the chances. Sometimes it takes over. You know, there's different types of uh, cuts. You know, you got, like, many Pacquiao, when he fought Morales, uh, he had a very bad cut. I think at that time it was uh, across the top eye, and I had the advantage from the fifth round on to make that fight last to the 12th round. You mentioned an end swell, and I'm not sure if this is what it is. I mean, when Adrian and I watch a fight, there's always this like this oval yeah. metal thing that looks like it's almost got like an emery board type thing, and they're always pushing it against the guy's face. And, and is that an end swell? And what exactly does that do? Well, that uh, you know, the swell goes on a little bit. You know, if you know how to apply that uh, thing, a lot of people do not know how to apply it. And once you do that, it goes on a little bit. You know, sometimes you see. Fights where uh, a guy gets a hematomas, or he gets a very heavy swell on top of the head, or whatever, on top of the eye. You have to know uh, how to add the proper pressure to relieve it, or else they'll stop the fight on you. So th- there, there was a fighter named Chuck Webner, <laughs> and his nickname was the Bayonne Bleeder. When you go yeah. and you got a fighter, do you know, you know, what you're doing? How different is a, fi- a guy you know is, is tends to bleed a lot, or not? How does that affect how you th- plan your job and go about your job? Well, you know, I know him personally also, uh, the bleeder from uh, Bayonne. Uh, you know, when he used to walk up the set, he was already bleeding. That was the type <laughs> of uh, person that he was because, you know, when, the, like, Muhammad Ali uh, beat him on, on that big fight when he thought he dropped him when he stepped on his foot. But, you know, uh, again, you have to uh, have the right equipment, the right stuff to do the uh, thing to have to really stop. You know, like I said, I can't divulge the things, but many years back, people used to use different things, you know, that uh, they don't allow today. Uh, him, at that time, they had that kind of stuff. Not that it's bad or anything like that, because as the fight game progresses through the years, 
there's always new rules. New now you have doctors in the corner. You have different people, and they have different uh, ideas. You know, in my time, we used to use uh, ammonia tablets when the guy used to come in half uh, sleeping like, and used to wake him up. They cut that off many years ago. Uh, I had a little problem in Vegas where I was using a drilling through the nose, and they said that that was a car going to lift him up and get him awake. You know, and all that said, you know, at the moment now you have to have adrenaline one thousand. And once you open it, you can't use it, which I think is out of the uh, thing. But this is the rules they apply now. And a lot of people don't know that. You know, when we get a, uh, an adrenaline and we open the jaw or whatever, it's no good no more. We have to get a new one. Who was the toughest fighter you ever had to deal with in the corner in terms of especially bleeding but other things? It was a kid. <sighs> Gee, that was in Atlantic City. And uh, he got headbutted. Uh, and the commissioner came to the corner, and he almost saw the bone in the eye, in the top of the eye, and he didn't bleed. True story. Oh. He didn't bleed at all. No oh. blood came out, right? And the uh, corner, Larry Hazard from New Jersey, came. He was the referee at that time, and he stopped the fight. And I said, give me a chance. And that was one of my biggest fights because it was a kid that I was trying to build, a very good kid that I had from the Bronx. That was one of my uh, toughest moments because the kid had potential, and uh, he lost there. Ooh. Yeah, we mentioned in the intro that you've worked in the corner with legends like Angelo Dundee and Eddie Futch. Dundee is known for his work with some of the greats like Muhammad Ali, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, George Foreman, and Eddie was known for having trained four of the five men who actually defeated Ali, Joe Frazier, yes. Ken Norton, Larry Holmes, and Trevor Burback. What were some of the things that you learned from being around those two guys that you used when you were a trainer? They were very quiet and they didn't talk too much. They say two or three things, and that kept the uh, individual, the fighter, uh, calm, cool, and collective. And, I, and that helped a lot. Sometimes today you have what is called uh, a cheering crowd in the corner, cheerleaders and stuff like that. You know, but he taught me all that. That's why uh, a lot of people, you know, I get a lot of respect because of the people that I learn from. You know, and that's one of the things that he taught me. You know, by uh, I worked in a corner with him in Texas many, many years ago. And when I saw that man, how he controlled the uh, corner, how very calm he was, he didn't talk too much. And actually, when you have a corner of that type, one man's supposed to talk, not three or four. That confuses the fighter. You know, it's interesting you mention that because as a trainer, you mentioned as a cut man, you have that one minute. But as a trainer, you also have that one minute while a boxer is trying to recover his strength from the round he just had, and you have that one minute to give him direction. So take us through what you look through as a trainer for that round and, and how you have to make those adjustments to the boxer and communicate it in such a short period of time. Well, once you see the mistake that the other individual, you know, the other guy's making, uh, you capitalize. You say, well, this guy is throwing the same punch all the time. He doesn't change. Then you tell your fighter, listen, he drops the hand when he does this, or he's moving the way at the same time. You know, he doesn't know how to fight going backwards. We get the chance to do that right there. And then you tell him, listen, I see a little opening where you can land your shots, whether, whether it be a, an overhand right or a uh, liver shot or a uh, uppercut, stuff like that. You know, good corner always see the mistake the other individual makes, and you capitalize with your fighter. That's why when you train a fighter, you train him to do everything, not just to, like today, a lot of jab, a lot of jab, and just move it one way, one way. 
I train fighters where they do everything uh, in the ring. They dance, they move, they try to get the guy tired, stuff like that. Today, that's not done. So you spent three years with Manny Pacquiao, and you watched Manny Pacquiao fight, and you got what you thought was the key to beating Pacquiao. And then you had a fighter, Joshua Clady, who faced Pacquiao. And I guess you were very disappointed because you knew exactly what had to be done. You couldn't get him to do it. What happened there? Well, you know, uh, Joshua Clady happened to be a bigger guy than Pacquiao at the time. And it was a uh, 45, 47 weight at that time. Uh, I mean, my guy weighed about 165 pounds. Pacquiao just could go just as much. And I had, you know, I mean, we trained for about eight, nine weeks. And to be honest with you, I almost bet my house that Joshua Clady had the uh, tools to beat him. But sometimes fighters or human beings, I would say, in general, you know, sometimes when you think that you could beat somebody and that individual touches you, and I said it on the uh, conference where I said, I got to see how my guy acts when Pacquiao touches him or hits him one shot. Uh, you know, that's when you go back and you say, well, if I get hit by Pacquiao one shot, you feel that shot that is heavy or hard, you're going to come in and just uh, laugh. And that's exactly what Joshua Pilates did. You know, when Pacquiao hit him a couple shots in the body, he felt his power. And that sort of like put him down and says, let me just coach and last the 12 rounds. And that's exactly, I hate to say it, and that's exactly what he did. You know, I was trying to push him to, uh, I was trying to motivate him that he could do good. And even Pacquiao told me after the fight, he had me hurt in the fifth round with a good shot, but he didn't follow through. These are the things that, you know, today when you have a good fighter. Here, I'll give you a good example. Lomachenko, a good little fighter, a good classic fighter. Can't punch, but he does a lot enough to win, and he's going to be very good as he goes. You know, he went up in weight, and he fought a, a decent guy from Puerto Rico uh, this past weekend. And I think that kid's going to go a long way in that respect because he does a lot of things that many of the fighters today don't do. So it's interesting you, you brought up Claudia in that fight. So as a trainer, does the boxer's personality play into the way you talk to him between rounds? Because, you know, AJ and I over the years have seen trainers yell, beg, calmly give encouragement, sometimes all three in the same night. Yeah. Um, does the personality of the boxer play into the way you need to speak to him between rounds? And sometimes is a different personality, re you know, um, revealed in the ring, like because I'm convinced that you know Mike Tyson was never the same boxer after you know Buster Douglas put him down. It, it, something changed in him. Um, so I guess the question is, do you have to tailor the way you speak to the boxer based on his personality? Well, you know, sometimes when a an athlete, whether it be a you know a boxer or a basketball player or a football player, sometimes you know when you have uh, a decent person that knows how to motivate. When you motivate a, part, uh, a boxer or an athlete anyway, he'll produce. But if you don't know how to motivate, uh, which that's when I, I, I say that today you have a lot of cheerleaders in the corner that they do not know how to motivate. But you have one individual that knows how to talk to the gentleman or whatever and tell them the right things at the right moment. That's, you know, where it comes into play. Good motivation, know how to motivate. You've worked with some of the, the boxing greats, Roberto Duran, Hector Camacho. To me, one of the most underrated boxers of my lifetime, Wilfredo Benitez. Still one of my top ten fights ever, the one in you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and him. What were some of the similarities, personality-wise, that made those guys such great fighters? Well, those guys put their nose to the grindstone. They trained. They trained hard, and they did everything 
and anything to win. Best fighter you've ever seen. Right. Who, who's the best, best fighter? Fight, best fighter that I've ever seen? Yeah. In my time, I knew him personally. I did work for him. Sugar Ray Robinson. Oh, wow. It's not, okay. That's not a that bad choice. Yeah, so a fighter that you felt that if you trained him would be better and, and could have become something special. Uh, gee, that's a good and tough question. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all of them are good if you do your job right. You know, my uh, best fighter that I ever had, the best amateur in my time, Alex Ramos, the Bronx Bomber. Who are you working with now that we should be keeping an eye out for, boxing fans here on Long Island? At the moment, uh, you know, <laughs> they just call me for the cuts and stuff like that. I'm waiting for that other Alex Ramos to come back or a uh, Duro Durant, which you don't have yet. <laughs> I'm waiting for one of those to come back. Uh, last month, you're inducted to the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame. What did that honor mean to you? You know, it was something that I didn't expect it, and uh, I've been in boxing good, good many years, and when they told me that uh, I was going to get inducted, that was a great honor, and I felt very, oh, my God, it was uh, something special, to be honest with you. Lenny, thanks so much for your time tonight. Congratulations on your induction into the New Jersey Box Hall of Fame. Uh, AJ and I always love talking boxing. In fact, uh, you know, just recently we had Chris Algieri on our show, and of course our favorite, the Hebrew Hammer, you know, Cletus Seldon. Oh yes, 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 a long time Hebrew Hammer. Gee, now that you say that, he, I, they, they rushed him. They shouldn't have rushed him. They shouldn't have put him out in that fight in uh, Canada. Yeah, he was hurt, too, on top of it. He's no, no, his... they, they rushed him. They yeah. rushed him. They should have kept him low, let him build confidence, and he would have become something. He, he's back now, and his last fight was pretty impressive, I think. What, HBO, yeah. How many seconds was that? Uh, 27 seconds. 27 seconds. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, he has still a chance because he has the main thing that a lot of people like today. He has power and he can punch and he's got heart, man. That's for sure. That's exactly, yes. Yeah. Lenny, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back on uh, when a big fight comes on just to talk about the fight. Very good. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Lenny De Jesus, 2018 New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame inductee.